We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my beautiful friends and you sweet, sweet souls. Yes, it seems most of us do have a yearning for love. Most of us want to be in a happy, healthy relationship. After all, love is what makes the world go round. Most songs are dedicated to love, and most movies are stories about love. So here's my question for you. Would you like to manifest and experience a conscious life and live up to your love potential? If you are, this show is dedicated to you. Today, we get to spend time with perhaps the best-known married couple and teachers of conscious loving ever. We are here with Gay and Kathleen Hendricks. Dr. Gay Hendricks has been a leader in the fields of relationship transformation and body-mind therapies for more than 45 years. Gay earned his PhD in counseling psychology from Stanford and has written more than 40 books, including Conscious Loving and The Big Leap. He also co-founded the Spiritual Cinema Circle, which distributes inspirational movies and conscious entertainment to subscribers in more than 70 countries. Gay has facilitated seminars all over the world and has been featured on more than 500 radio and television shows, including Oprah, CNN, CNBC, 48 Hours, and many more. In addition to his work with the Hendricks Hendricks Institute, Gay is currently continuing his new mystery series that began with the first rule of 10. We are also so fortunate to have here with us Gay's wife of 35 years, Dr. Kathleen Hendricks. Katie earned her PhD in transpersonal psychology and has been a board-certified dance movement therapist of the American Dance Therapy Association since 1975. Katie has been a pioneer in the field of body intelligence for over 40 years and conscious loving since 1980. Katie's a sought-after, very respected seminar leader, teacher, and consultant. She's flown over a million miles, inspiring people everywhere to open more fully to a conscious and love-based life. Katie co-founded the Body Intelligence Virtual Summit and has authored countless articles and blogs and has co-authored 12 books with her husband, Gay, including their new book that we're talking about today, Conscious Loving Ever After, How to Create Thriving Relationships at Midlife and Beyond. So Gay and Katie, thank you so much for being here today on Journey to Center. Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be with you, Tammy. Thanks, Tammy. So I just want to start with this. I'd like to know a little bit about yourselves and your backstory. How did you become these preeminent authorities of conscious loving? <laughs> That's a great question. Well, I have to tell you a funny story. Uh, I'm a very unlikely relationship expert because when I was in the 10th grade, our teacher gave us an assignment about to write an essay, a three-page essay about something we felt strongly about. And uh, I didn't rediscover my essay until... Some years ago when my niece was cleaning out my mother's attic and found this essay that I'd written in the 10th grade, and the title of it is, Why I Will Never, Ever Get Married. <laughs> and, uh, and I went on for three pages of impassioned, you know, it's like rage against marriage, where I was saying, everybody in my family that's married looks like they're sleepwalking. And, see, you know, and they never look like they're having any fun together. And my grandparents had been married 63 years, 
but I always say for 59 of those years, they weren't speaking to each other. And um, <laughs> so uh, it would just look like a terrible landscape to me. And so, um, but I think that, you know, that old saying about, um, you know, that if you have plan, if you think you have a plan for your life, it makes God laugh. Yes. Well, you know, I would end up to be a, a relationship expert. Still amazes me to this day. But uh, we um, we got together in 1980, and right after a time when I decided I really needed to master the area of relationships. And so, fortunately, I manifested Katie within a month after making that decision. And uh, we're here uh, celebrating our 35th wedding anniversary with you. That's yeah, fantastic. This, this month. You know, it's, oh, uh, it's, really, yeah. it's really interesting, Tammy, that we, um, when we got together, we basically, we hadn't seen any models of relationships that worked, and the one couple that we knew and admired had just split up. So we were kind of out in the, you know, out in the wilderness, but we decided, and we did something that we recommend now to everybody who wants to make a change in their life, which is to make a commitment to to take your whole body, your heart, your whole self into a new space to create a new direction for your life. And we committed to creating a relationship that ran primarily on positive energy. We had no idea what that would look like or if we could do it, but that's what we really wanted. We wanted to have... Uh, our lives be unified, that we would share our lives and not have compartmentalized like work and life at home. We wanted to have all aspects of our life to be conscious and unified. And then we just spent the next many years, um, you know, making the choices and creating the processes that would make that real. that I feel is so important. I experienced the same thing as you guys in that I hadn't seen a lot of examples or any examples of what I wanted to live. So I too was opposed to like um, a long-term committed relationship or marriage. But you know what? We can do it different than we've ever seen it. That's really true. In fact, that's one of the reasons we wrote the book. Yes. Uh, we, we began working some years ago. We began working with a lot with people who were 40 years of age and and older, and since then we've worked with thousands of people that are 40s, 50s, 60s, and even into their 70s and early 80s. And we've found that there are certain things that are really true about relationships at any age. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, you need to speak, be able to speak honestly with each other and authentically, and you need to be able to take responsibility rather than blame, and you need to get good at supporting the other person's creative potential. But after midlife, there are some extra special things that become incredibly important. And one of them that we found is in the area of creativity. We found particularly that the more people can commit to their individual creativity, the better their relationships go. And so that became a really exciting finding for us because we'd never seen reference to that out there anywhere. And so it became a really important discovery for us. And the more we looked into it, we more the more we found that individual creativity, being committed to your own creative path inside, is so important to relationships because if you're not honoring your own intentions to be creative in your life, 
you often will take it out on the relationship and find fault with the relationship where really the fault is down inside with an insufficient commitment to our own creativity. That is so powerful. And as I was reading this in your book, I was so relating because I've been in relationships in the past where I wasn't experiencing my own creativity and I would look to the other person to fulfill me, but they couldn't. It wasn't even possible because I think as spiritual beings and aspects of creative intelligence, we need to take responsibility for that relationship with our creator by virtue of being creative. So as I've become more creative, I'm more fulfilled. So I can just show up as a whole satisfied person in the context of my relationship, and it's changed everything. That's such a wonderful way of putting it, that rather than getting into a relationship to get somebody to love something you don't love about yourself, Mm. uh, or needing to live through the other person to feel fulfilled, you come in as a whole person, and then the two of you can enter into what I think is really the new frontier, which is co-creating. What is it that the energy of our relationship, our being together, can generate in the world that is unique and that makes a contribution? Because I think everybody not only wants to be fulfilled, but they really want to make a difference uh, in the world to let their love not just be in their own personal relationship, but to ripple out into the world. And one of the barriers that people run across that I think we all have as we open up to our creativity is there's not a lot of support in the world for opening up to your individual creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that we don't get encouraged to do that as part of a commitment to a healthy and happy marriage, for example. And so one of the things that we found, though, that when people are able to start doing more creative things in their life, just for 10, ten minutes a day is all it takes to start. And mm-hmm. the problem also is that a lot of people think they are not creative. Mm-hmm. You know, they hear that word creativity and they think, oh, that's not me. Yes. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're making a great soup or composing a great song or whatever the particular type of creativity is, as long as it has the capacity to surprise you, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of come out of left field in your thinking, to come up with something new a little bit. So even if you've made the same soup recipe for the last 40 years, there's something you can do with that soup today that takes it into a slightly different dimension that surprises you a little bit. And it's so important in life to maintain that capacity for surprise. Mm. One of the big complaints about people as they get older is they become more set in their ways and more set in their routines and afraid to kind of break out of those strictures that we put on ourselves and we become prisoners of our beliefs later on in life, oftentimes. And so what we're after, though, is having people make just a little commitment at first, because we know if they do 10 minutes today, they're going to want to do 11 minutes tomorrow. And then if they've devoted an hour to their creativity next year, next year after that, they're going to want to do an hour and a half, because it's a positive addiction, creativity is. (laughs) You keep wanting to do more and more and more of it. That's true. It's so fulfilling. And I I absolutely love what you're saying. I teach a lot of different types of creative classes. And when people say, oh, I'm not creative, like you had said, Gay, I say you're an aspect of creative intelligence, therefore creative and intelligent. 
So I think a lot of us were squelched in our creativity when we were young and we move away from it. And then we're hungry for something we can't even put our finger on. And I think you're bringing up such an incredibly powerful and valid point with this um, this aspect of creativity. So I love that we're talking about this. Um, and so do you think, Gay and Katie, that by virtue of um, exploring and committing to our own creativity, if we're not in a healthy or conscious relationship, that that could help us attract a relationship. And if, oh. if how we can maybe use our creativity to set that intention and attract a relationship. What are some things we can do? Oh yeah, that's a that's a wonderful question. Well, one thing for for everybody to know is that your creativity is really the same as your life force and mm -hmm. your love. For yourself and it really is carried in the same channels as your emotions and so as you're opening up to creating and to uh, just creating as a conscious choice you get to be more creative in all aspects of your life and one of the things that we find is that it makes you like a, a resonance field or a tuning fork where you're sounding a certain tone that is expressing your uniqueness, and that's one of the best ways for you to find your mate because they'll hear you. They'll uh -huh. feel that resonance and be drawn to that. And if, But if, on the other hand, you're trying to be some way that you've learned from the movies or magazines and, you know, you're trying to put on a front or a a persona to attract somebody, that's not really a good idea because you're going at cross-purposes to who you really are. And we really want people to be celebrated for their essence, for their own uniqueness. And that's one of the aspects of creativity that can really be developed in relationships. So one of the things that to create the relationship that you really want is to really fall in love with yourself and to be in a loving, supportive relationship of yourself and expressing who you are in the world in whatever form uh, really uh, feels the most pleasurable to you. And as you're doing that, as you're going around in the world, you're going to find people who also have a passion for that. I was just thinking about one of our, one of our students who was uh, sharing with us the other day that she loves to dance, and she goes to these uh, dance groups that are kind of free dance, uh, ecstatic dance groups, because she just loves it, and she finds she can be her creative self in there. And she was just reporting that she's had now uh, two people who have asked her out after the dance uh, experience to get to know her better. And that's one of the best ways of forming a new relationship is that you're doing something you love to do and you find somebody who also loves to do that and then you can form your relationship around a shared passion. I just absolutely love this. And, and as you're speaking, I'm seeing that vision. It's like when we're in that collaboration with the universe, when we're in that creative flow, it does turn up our wattage. We do shine brighter. We are more magnetic. We are more attractive. And then we're probably likely to attract someone who's attracted to that kind of thing and exudes that or wants to experience that same type of creativity. So what you're saying is so lovely. Uh, this is really exciting to me because I haven't had a conversation like this before. And I love creativity and I love love. So this is just really great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. 
So, and and you, there's something I read in your book that I just love so much. It it takes it takes courage to go into creativity, and we also want to temper our wisdom with um, the comfort of going into the mystery and not knowing. So, you write about how creative flow can turn into fear. How can when, and I've come up against that. How can we um, work with this or navigate through this? How can we keep saying yes to our heart and our creativity? Well, one thing is to make sure that you really have a good relationship with fear because a lot of us have an avoidance relationship with fear, whereas if we start to feel it, we pull away from it. We want to drown it out. And I know, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you drink too much to drown things out or eat too much to drown things out or watch too much TV to drown things out. If you're avoiding those deeper feelings, then they come back to haunt you again. So one of the things that we help people do here is come into a new relationship with their emotions, particularly fear, because fear is down at the bottom of a lot of emotions that people feel in relationships. Like even if you're angry about something, there's always something you're scared about too at the same time underneath that. And even if you're sad about something, there's also something you're scared about. So we all really need to learn to get on good terms with fear, particularly not dodging it, to just let yourself experience it, to feel it, to make friends with it so that it doesn't run you. So the moment you open your heart to your fear and begin to open up and ask yourself, hmm, what am I really afraid of? And what is it that, what are my big fears? The moment you begin to treat it like it's part of you mm -hmm. instead of trying to push it out of yourself, then you begin to learn a lot about how to navigate through close relationships too because the ability to navigate with your emotions is exactly the same skill that it takes to navigate another person's emotions. And that's what really you have to do a lot in relationship is to have both people getting more friendly with their own feelings and therefore getting more friendly with the other person's feelings so that you can accept and open up more to your feelings at the same time as you understand your partner. That's Here's fantastic. the big problem with fear in relationship is that if I'm scared, my partner suddenly looks like an enemy. And that happens in a part of our brain that is way below our problem-solving ability. We kind of go into reptilian brain. We become dinosaurs with each other. And it's a very big problem that fear creates is that suddenly somebody who is your mate seems like your enemy. And when you make friends with fear, you can actually turn the experience of fear the, you know, the stuckness or the fleeing or the faint or the sense of fight, you can turn that into flow so that it, it then becomes part of your creative energy. It becomes a source of creativity rather than a source of separation. And we've created uh, both videos and animations to assist people to turn fear into flow. And you can find those uh, on our website on Hendrix. Com in the relationship section, you can find out how a couple turns fear into flow in their conversation. It's really dramatic when you stop having the same argument over and over again and really are able to, to feel, oh, I'm scared. And when you give your loving attention to that, the fear turns into flow and suddenly 
you're connected again, you can feel intimate again, and that your partner is actually your ally again rather than your enemy. Right. You're on the same side once again. I know you say fear isn't a big deal. It is the big deal. And you have a chapter about this. You, you talk about um, moving from fear to flow with the four fear melters. So it's yeah. great you have the videos and you have a lot of good content in your book about this. Is there anything else you want to say about the fear melters? Well, the fear melters are designed, they're very simple movements. Because when you're in fear, you can't really use your logical brain. You've never, I've never been able to talk anybody out of being scared, and I've never seen anybody be able to do that. But you can move from fear to flow. And so the fear melters are very simple movements, like, for example, wiggling when you feel frozen. And you can start wiggling, literally wiggling your fingers and toes, and that thaws you out so that you locate yourself again, you get present again, and are able to respond actively rather than reacting out of your fear cave. That is uh, really helpful, because I do believe uh, that fear, it's, it's hard, we're hardwired. I had somebody on the show, and they talked about how our brains really haven't changed that much in the last 25,000 years, that we're hardwired oh. for fight or flight. And I know you talk about the flavors of fear, too, which is very helpful. My my past way of dealing with it is just freezing and hiding, and and uh, some people fly, some people fight. To know how we um, respond in fear can be very helpful, and then being able to get beneath that and transcend that. Gosh, it's changed my life. Oh, so great to hear. So glad to hear that because so many people have told us the same thing. Well, it changed our lives profoundly. In fact, I can actually remember the day. It was a year or two into our relationship, and we were really learning to communicate better about our emotions, and I found myself criticizing something about Katie. But at the same time I was hearing these critical words come out of my mouth, I realized that my belly was tight and I felt the emotion of fear down in my belly, the butterflies and tightness of of fear down in my belly. And so instead of trying to analyze it, I just blurted out, I'm scared. And it really changed our relationship because suddenly I wasn't coming at her as a yeah, 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 you know, critical person. I was just sharing open-heartedly something that was real inside me. And it was such a big moment because, see, I didn't learn very much growing up about how to communicate about my feelings. They never taught us anything in elementary school or high school about that, or even college for that matter. Uh, I remember taking psychology classes, but they were all about rats and things like that. You know, <laughs> It wasn't about communicating with a human. And there's a big difference between communicating with a rat and communicating with a human um, because we're a lot more complex. And so all you have to do to get friends with a rat is to feed them, you know, now and then. And, <laughs> and they'll forgive you for just about everything if, they, if you come up with that. But in relationships, we're so much more sensitive. You know, we have every day, we're like a symphony of emotions. Sometimes we're sad. Sometimes we're angry. Sometimes we're scared. Sometimes we're in joy. Sometimes we feel sexual feelings. All of those things are part of the symphony of ourselves. And and we can't go around in life just listening to one part of the symphony. We've got to, to really open our hearts and listen to the whole thing. And then we realize what magnificent things human beings are because the wiring in our emotions is there for a reason. You know, it's not a mistake that your belly tightens to tell you you're scared because 
earlier in human evolution, way back millions of years ago, we spent literally millions of years running from things with very large teeth and very small brains. And so those are a terrible combination, uh, especially for somebody with a very large brain and very small teeth like we have. And so uh, you want to avoid those saber-toothed tigers and other things like that that we had to deal with in the cave person era. And so uh, we, we're very wired also when we feel sad, we feel you know, that lump in the throat sensation or a kind of a cloudy constriction in the chest. And that's to give us the message to, hey, slow down a little bit. Feel the loss. Feel what you're losing. Honor that loss. And if we do that, then we can move on through it. But if we don't, if we keep drowning it out, then we can keep that same feeling of loss in our bodies literally for for decades. And the same thing with anger. You know, we really need to learn how to honor our anger and let ourselves experience it because if you keep closing off anger, you get all sorts of physical ailments. Mm. You know, your body begins to hurt and you, you know, get all sorts of uh, weird symptoms of illness and that kind of thing, headaches that are simply because you haven't allowed yourself to feel your anger and express your anger in a straightforward way. It's such a simple thing just to be able to see, to say, I feel angry about that, or I feel angry right now, even if you don't know what you're angry about. You simply acknowledge it and treat it like the old friend it really is. And allow it. Well, Gay and Katie, I can't believe we're wrapping up our first show, but I'm so very excited and honored that we're going to get to continue this conversation in our show for next week. So do a real quick, where can people find you? Where's Where's your website? The website is uh, uh, com, and we have lots of what we call free stuff. So if you go to all of the different sections of the website, you'll see something that says free stuff, and we've got videos and uh, different articles and ways to explore how to create a thriving relationship, whether you're single or whether you want to deepen the relationship you're in. So... So exciting. So much great stuff. The fantastic website. And to my listeners, I know you love these people because they're so lovable. Come back and listen to us again next week. And God bless you. We love you. Onward and upward. Bye for now.